Welcome to Enter at Nay, a podcast for horse girls. This is Anna. And I am Beth. We're your hosts. Get your fill of horse talk by listening to us, your new horse friends. We're going to talk about our horses, talk to our friends about their horses in a bi-weekly podcast. We're not experts on anything but what we love about our horses. So come on in and talk with us. Anna, why don't you tell us um, kind of a lesson recap for this week, any light bulbs or struggles you had? Uh, So last week um, I was on vacation and I did have a lesson this week, but um, it was, uh, I'm not ready to talk about that lesson yet. (laughs) It was good, but I'm not ready to talk about it. But man, the week before we went on vacation, we did a 30 minute lesson just on walk pirouettes. It was more like, walking in a circle kind of just on the hind end we've done it before and I probably I don't know we only did it like two or three times the first time we did it um but it's funny if I do it if I do it correctly like if I use like I'm turning to the right if I shift my weight to my left seat bone but keep my right stirrup weighted Danny does it absolutely perfectly but if any, if any of that is off, he moves his hind end. It's a struggle. <laughs> well, it'll build from there. I mean, yes. Getting it right sometimes is all we need, right? Exactly. Exactly. What about you? You had a clinic Saturday. Um, I got to ride with Ryan Yap on Saturday. And, um, you know, it's neat to ride with him because he will focus on the same things that I'm working on with my trainer, um, Julie, but he'll say things in a different way and try things in a different way um, that kind of just deepens my understanding. Um, so we worked on straightness. I overbend Pippin to the left all the time. Um, and I think it's cause he used to not bend to the left at all. Like he would always be bent right, no matter what direction we were going. And right. it's been a huge struggle for years. Um, and I fixed it last year, <laughs> but I have the muscle memory of always pulling him left when I'm going left. And so yeah, he's correct. And I'm fighting my own muscle memory. And so, uh, Ryan's take on fixing it, you know, was, it was interesting stuff. So Anna, how have you spoiled Danny this week? Well, he had last week off. So I feel like he sort of got spoiled. Um, I, I, yeah, I feel like that was kind of him getting spoiled. Um, but when I saw him, I, I definitely gave him some extra treats and I took, we bought some apples when we were down in Lexington. So, um, he got one of the Lexington apples, um, because, you know, I don't know. Cause I hadn't seen him, but normally, I don't know. I use treats when I bit him up and then I use treats to do stretching, but I try not to do yeah. too many other treats because he can get kind of, of anticipatory about them. And, then Amy will complain because she's like, you know, I went to ride him and he like, all he wanted to do was get treats. <laughs> like, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> what did you do for Pip? Uh, so last week, I really kind of kicked his butt. I um, had five rides last week 
including my lesson and then my clinic ride on Saturday. Um, so then this week, I didn't necessarily plan it, but I ended up kind of giving him an easy week. On Monday, I just kind of hacked out around the farm. Um, so just like loose rain, uh, easy trot, you know, just relax. Um, and then Tuesday, I usually have my lesson, but this week, my work schedule and everything, I, at the last minute was kind of like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to rush out to the barn to do my lesson. So I um, got someone else to take my spot. And then I didn't go Tuesday or Wednesday. He just got to chill, which it's, you know, such nice weather right now. Yeah. And the horses are out on the pasture a lot yeah. right now. Um, so, you know, he likes that. And then um, when I went out yesterday, he was out in the rain. So he was uh, filthy. He's always filthy, but he was wet. So I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get him all the way dry. And, you know, he really doesn't have to be ridden today. So I lunged him. I'll go out today and it's it's pretty nice. I, I think I might just do an easy hack around the farm again today if the ground's dry enough. We'll see. Mm -hmm. So Anna, what's your favorite horsey thing on the internet this week? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so this is, um, actually a product. Um, so I get to talk about products twice, but, um, it's not something that I want to buy because like, I don't have any need for it whatsoever, but, um, you know, Equus Couture, I love her stuff. It's, she's got, you know, such pretty stock ties and browbians and yeah, for sure. Yes. And it's all like handmade. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's no machines using, you know, making like her stock ties. Um, and she gets a lot of fabrics from Italy and, and Europe when she travels. And so this stock tie, and it is, I think it's described as green iridescent silk. Um, and, but in the photos, it's like blue and lavender, and you can kind of see the green iridescent. Oh, wow. And it's the only one like that in her whole collection that's got this like iridescence to it. Uh -huh. So to me, it just said like, it's a unicorn. It's shimmery and gorgeous. And I just want to buy it and like hold it in the sun and stare at it and dream of unicorns. That's all. <laughs> I think we'll allow it. I mean, no judgment for you buying a stock tie just for enjoyment of just the... Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, I follow Dana's doodles on Facebook. Um, she is stuff. an artist and yeah. she does, you know, cartoon horsey illustrations. And she uses a lot of like common phrases um, mm -hmm. and kind of puts <clears throat> like a horsey twist on them if there isn't a horsey twist already on it. Um, and so the one that I am loving right now is, um, it says what happens at the barn never stays at the barn. I talk about my horse all the time. <laughs> I, I love, love her stuff. I do too. I've got her, um, I have on Etsy, you can buy her products and she has like a stall sign that you can get. And she's very interactive. Like she sends you a proof of it. Is this dark enough? Do you want it darker? And I'm like, nope, it's perfect. And it's just, it's so cute. And it, you know, like it has his name and then it has his nickname. Um, and I love it. And then it says loved by Anna Cluxton. I think it has, might have my phone number on it. I can't remember. 
but I take it yeah. with me when we go to shows. So we already talked about some products, but we still have our product of the week segment. What is something, Anna, that you already own or really want to buy that you're really like into this week? Mm. So I really love quarter zips. They're, you know, such, they're so good to wear like right now when the weather's like, yeah. you know, like too cold for like a short sleeve shirt or even a long sleeve t-shirt. You just need something a little bit warmer, but I also yeah. like it because you can then layer them under like winter coats and stuff. Um, so I just feel like you could never have enough, but smart pack has some new colors and they have like that. It's called sugar plum and yeah. it's kind of like, it's, it's light. It's like a frosted plum. I mean, that's why they called it that. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I'm, I'm obsessed with like that plum kind of mulberry color. You definitely and, are. Yes. And this is like a, a lighter take on it. Um, and the material looks different too. Cause it almost looks like a tweed color. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little obsessed with that. So you should buy it. <laughs> I should. So I'm a, I'm on a saddle pad journey. Um, <laughs> yes, you it's, are. <laughs> it's like a little embarrassing. Yeah, I had been using all-purpose pads all this time because I didn't have any big, nice dressage saddle. So when I bought my new one, I just didn't really think about it. And you know, Pippin's small. He's a cob size uh, horse. Yeah. He's not not quite a pony, not quite a horse. So he's a, yeah. a Mahoney. Um, and so <laughs> I was kind of like you know, dressage pads are too big for him. And so I just use all purpose pads. And then I was listening to a horse podcast that I like and um, Stacy Westfall, she had a season where she did equipment and she was talking about like equipment fits and stuff. And, you know, I've been riding horses since I was eight and, you know, learned from a lot of good people over the years, but also just kind of found my way a little bit too. And yeah. so anyways, no one had really explained this saddle pad thing to me. And after listening to that episode, I was out at the barn and I was like, this is not an appropriate fit for my saddle. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like I've had this horse for, and so this just happened over the summer that I was like, oh my God, I cannot use all purpose pads with this <laughs> saddle and this horse. Like, so then, but I had bought an improperly sized dressage pad too. Last year, I bought one that was like warm blood size. And so oh I gosh. knew there was like a certain measurement that was okay or not okay. So I ended yeah. up like bringing every saddle pad I owned out to the barn and like measuring, like putting everything under the saddle and measuring and being like, okay, if the pad is between these dimensions, it looks right. And then I got rid good of- idea. Well, I got rid of everything else then. And it was, yeah. the timing was great. Someone asked for like donations for a 4-H club. And I was like, here's 15 all-purpose pads that you can have. <laughs> um, and, but then I was down to two dressage pads or yeah. like maybe less. I don't know. It was ridiculous. I had like nothing. I live pretty close to Equus now in Columbus. And so I was like, I need to see what they have and I'm going to drive over there and buy saddle pads today. So anyways, I ended up getting a Shires performance dressage saddle pad. Um, and it comes in like all my favorite, like horse equipment colors. Like it comes in, you know, like that marigold mustard color and hunter green and plum and navy. And, and But now this is like my preferred schooling saddle pad and I want it in every color, every single one. <laughs> 
That's fun. So, see. so next we're going to do the questions that we are going to always ask our guests, but we're yeah. also, since we're, th this is our intro episode, we're going to answer them ourselves. So the very first one is um, for Anna, tell us about your current horse or a favorite horse you've had over the years. Well, Danny is the only horse I've ever owned. I um, started riding when I was 11, 11 to 16, at a Morgan barn out of um, down near Cincinnati, Ohio. And they bred Morgans as well as had um, like the little horsemanship school. Um, and then when I was 16, um, we moved, my mom and I moved to the Gulf Coast. And so I didn't ride again until about 2008, I think. Um, so that was a really long time. I need to sit down. It was more than 25 years, I guess, like 27 years before I got back to riding. And long break. yeah, and I did, um, I, I started riding and with this lady that my mother-in-law had found because she was taking lessons. She was going to go out to a cattle ranch in Montana. And so she'd started riding and she's like, oh, you should come out here. You'd really have fun. And so I went out there and I took like two lessons and the lady was like, you know, I teach kids and you're not a kid and you also are not a beginner. Like I was really surprised that my body actually remembered what to do and, and how to ride. I guess it's like riding a bike. And she yeah. was like, She's like, I can't really teach you, but I'm happy to like help you with some things. But if you want to like, anytime you want to come out and ride, just let me know and we'll schedule it. And um, so I kind of started doing that with her schooling horses. And then one of her horses, I started leasing. It was a horse that belonged to somebody else. And um, I leased him. He was an off-track thoroughbred. I leased him for a while. And then I leased a different horse of hers. And then, you know people can be crazy. And so we just, yeah. it fell apart and I, um, moved and I went to a dressage trainer and I had started getting interested in dressage. Um, but I had no one to teach me. So I, I found a, a woman who was teaching dressage lessons and, um, maybe about six months into lessons, I, um, was interested in getting a horse and, um, I, I think I, I tried like a couple of horses um, that were up for sale. Like I, I tried a Frisian mix and a couple of quarter horses. And then I happened to go on, I don't even know if dream is dreamhorse.com still around. I don't even know if they're still around. And, you know, you can put in like a breed of horse or any breed, you can put in your price range, you can put in like disciplines and age and how close or how far away they are. And so you can put in all of that stuff. And I think I put in like my price range and the distance and lo and behold, there was a Morgan. And um, I had like tried looking at Morgans, but they were all like tens of thousands of dollars. And my budget was like three grand, like max. And yeah. um, uh, there was this Morgan and it was up in Ashland, Ohio. And so I went not up. Not that far away. No, not far away at all. Um, me and a couple of girlfriends who also rode with me, um, we went up and I rode him and he was pretty sweet. He was three and a half years old. And then about a week later, I went up again with 
uh, my trainer at the time. And <clears throat> they, um, they turned him out in the indoor arena and I kind of went and stood in the center and he was like racing around. And then he came right up to me and like chest butted me, you know, yeah, and like, yeah. he has never done that. Like he is not cuddly at all, but yeah. um, his, the lady who owned him and she also like bred him um, was like, oh, well, you know, they say Morgan's choose you. He definitely chose you. And no. <laughs> <laughs> so I've owned him since then. So now he's 14. Um, he's also a, a honey. He's 15 too. No, uh, that's not a honey. That's definitely a horse. No, he's everything he wears is cobs. But yeah, so I've had him for, you know, since he was three and a half and his barn name is Danny and and he's a dork. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to tell us about Pippin? Yeah, so um, I was not horse shopping. So I, I was taking yeah. hunter jumper lessons and um, it was a great program and I have all the respect in the world for the trainer, but it was expensive. Um, and so I got to a point of like, okay, I've had a great refresher. I'm, you know, really comfortable. I'm back in the groove of the horse world and I need to go off on my own and figure out what I'm going to do. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to volunteer somewhere. Like I'm going to, you know, look for a rescue. And, um, so just, uh, geographically proximity, I ended up at this, uh, property and the woman had a lot of horses. Yeah. Uh, she, she did not put a number on the number of horses that she had because they were spread out over many properties. <laughs> um, and she, the situation was very strange, but she had uh, no help. And so I kind of became like a facility manager, um, yeah, volunteer coordinator. And part of what she had me do was um, try to sell these horses. Uh, we called it adopt out, but I, I don't know. We weren't actually a, uh, 501c3 registered. So, you know, that, that whole, all that terminology is gray. Um, but yeah. we had a large number of horses that needed rehomed and she got the horses from Sugar Creek, which is a uh, auction, uh, in Ohio here. And yeah. for the most part, the horses that go through there are, um, bought by, we call them kill buyers, um, sure. but they're, they're purchasing the horses for meat um, and they ship them to Mexico or Canada. I think probably yeah. from Ohio, they're going to Canada um, where horse yeah. slaughter is legal. And so she would go there and buy horses that she thought she could resell. Um, and her, her sales and her purchasing didn't match up. So she ended up with like, way more horses um so anyways I was helping her like evaluate and sell horses um and I I was in no way qualified for that um I was just kind of like all right lady I can help sure and yeah. you know now knowing what I know I'm like that's crazy she never should have asked me to do it I never should have agreed um but I did sell horses for her I did get other people to help out and work there um, for free. We were all working for free. It was crazy. But um, Pippin was there. I started handling him 
it was immediately clear that he knew absolutely nothing. You could not (laughs) groom him. Uh, The first few minutes I was touching him, he, there was another person near me and he almost kicked that person in the head. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. That was the first time I ever laid hands on him and it became clear. He didn't know how to lead. He didn't know how to lunge. He used to dart in on the lunge and try to like run you over. Yeah. Um, so I, being what I was at the facility, I was like, this horse needs worked with because he's dangerous. Like we can't leave this horse like this and have people on this property like we do. So I started training him. Um, I had a friend coming out to help me and he changed drastically in two weeks. His expression changed. Um, he was different just in the stall, not even handling him. Wow. Um, and so the woman who owned the facility and owned him, she actually approached me and said, here's the thing. I can't sell this horse to anybody. Um, so if you're not going to buy him, I'm just going to take him back to the auction. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I went to my friend who was helping me with all these horses and um, I said like, oh my gosh, she says I have to buy this horse or he's going back. And I said, what do you think? And she said, what do you mean? What do you, what do I think? Like he's changed so much in two weeks. He's smart. He's athletic. He clearly wants this just because yeah. of how much he changed. And so she was like, do it, buy him. So I, <laughs> I bought him for $475 and, um, wow. And, you know, it was, uh, no one would have thought it was a good idea. We actually don't know for sure how old he was. Uh, We know nothing about his breeding, nothing about his training. Um, It's all been a big guess. But uh, at this point, we estimate he's about 15 years old. Um, He's a buckskin pinto. He, I thought he was a pony, but I've never actually had him measured, but we're pretty sure he's over 14 too, which matters. Cause you know, I can't get like a pony card for recognized yeah. competitions. Um, and that was seven and a half years ago. So Anna, what is your favorite bonding thing to do with horses? Well, um, so I am a human licensed massage therapist and, um, well, like three years ago, I started the, the person, the gal who works on Danny for me, um, I kind of mentioned like, I'm thinking about, you know, like learning some equine massage. And she was like, yes, please do it. You need to do it. You need to do it right now. I will help you whatever we need to do. Yes. So (laughs) I did, um, a certification course online, which just really helped me learn like the anatomy and physiology and like the, um, contraindications, which are just like, you know, times when you shouldn't massage a horse or things not to do, um, like if they're on certain medications or whatever, cause it's the same idea for humans. Um, but it helped me like learn all of that. And then I had to do so many hours hands on, um, I can't even remember. I think it was like a hundred hours hands on and submit case studies and, and all of that. And then I worked with, um, her name's Michelle. I worked with Michelle anytime she was in town. So that took me about four months. And then, um, I kind of was doing, you know, equine and human massage for about a year and a half. And then for the last, where are we? It's 
October. So the last seven months, probably I've been doing equine only because I closed my human practice. Um, And I mean, one of the biggest reasons that I got into it was that it is, it is such a great way to bond with horses. I mean, what is the thing you want to do when you meet a new horse? It's like a dog. You want to just like, like snuggle it and pet it and do all of that. And you know, you can, you can sometimes do that, but if it's a new horse, like you always have to ask, you know, well, this yeah. way I'm actually doing it and I get paid to do it. And I love it. I love learning their personalities and, you know, their different um, reactions um, to body work is just amazing to me. And I love to do it with Danny, but he is literally like the cobbler's child with no shoes because <laughs> he doesn't get like regular body work from me. Um, whenever somebody else comes to the barn, um, like a different massage therapist or a chiropractor, I always put him on the schedule because otherwise he doesn't get much. Um, but I will do like certain things. Like I work on his shoulders every once in a while, or I work on his, his glutes get sore. Um, And, you know, I know him so well that I can, I can just dive right in and, you know, work on him. And to me, that, yeah, yeah, that feels very bondy. So what about, what is Pip like? Or what do you like? Um, Or in general, you like to do? In general, I'm big on grooming. um, And that is probably my horsey upbringing. Um, The woman who took me in under her wing she had been a professional groom in several different industries um, for years. So even though she wasn't in it anymore, when I was with her, she really emphasized and did not let me skimp on grooming. Um, You know, she would even say to me like, oh, you see that person over there, they didn't even groom their horse before they rode and that is unacceptable. Um, So she really instilled that in me and I, I never saddle up my horse without going head to toe with at least two brushes, if not, you know, four. Um, And (laughs) I, yeah, so I groom him uh, for four to five days a week, generally. That's nice. I like, I like grooming too. It's, I think it can, it's easy to get neglected, especially when they come in and they're like, they've got mud on them and you're just like, ugh, now I've got to spend 30 minutes or like when they're shedding. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Someone said something about like vacuuming him because last weekend I was trying to get him ready for the clinic and um, he has his winter coat and he um, there's a dust corner in his paddock that is very fine, very dark dust. And of course, that's where he rolls. And I'm also at a barn that we don't have a wash stall. We don't even have a hose. So um I'm a little bit stuck with getting him clean and especially like it gets cooler and his coat gets thicker so last weekend I'm like trying to haul out to a clinic and I got there later than I wanted to because I was like waiting for a Panera order um (laughs) and so anyways I'm like trying to get him clean trying to get my tack clean and I like started with green spot remover And then that wasn't working. So I was like, I'll just do a bucket bath. And the wetter he got, the dirt just came to the surface (laughs) of his coat. And I get to like the point of like anxiety attack, upset about it. And I was like, I have to stop. And my Fitbit's like, are you running? Wow. 
And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not running and freaking out. Fitbit, stop telling me I'm working out. <laughs> and so I threw a cooler on him. I was like, this is going to dry. And then it's all just going to brush off. Yeah. And so that's what I decided. And I took him to the clinic and he was disgusting and I was embarrassed. Um, you but from like the photos you shared, he doesn't look. Well, that. <laughs> so I brushed him and it did brush off. But then once he started sweating, all the dirt came out as he was sweating. <laughs> so, oh, I, and I was like, you know, that was my fifth day riding that week. I was like, I have groomed this horse for four days before this. And why is he filthy? <laughs> <sighs> never makes sense so Anna tell us about your favorite or most meaningful aha moment in your equine journey my trainer whom I ride with now I've only been with her for like four four years four and a half years ish anyway um and I really feel like once I got with her I really started learning dressage and she videotaped part of the lesson and just looking at the videotape really helped me see number one, what she was seeing, but then number two, how, like, even when she was telling me what to do with my right leg or how to fix my position that, and even though you could see me do it, that it, it, it was like, a constant reset. But as far as an aha moment, it was just this idea of I am truly a visual learner and I have to see what I'm doing in order to fix it. Um, that like really, really helps me a lot. That's, I, that's just been the aha moment, not just for courses, but I think for anything that like, I'm a visual learner. I have to see it. I can read about it. I can, I can think about it. I can listen to a lecture about it. It's not going to sink in until I visually see it as well as do it. Um, yeah. But if it's something that I'm physically learning, like in a lesson, it's so much better if I can um, get a video of it and see what she's talking about. Like that was kind of a, a big thing. So you've made steps to video more, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're using, I'm using that Pivo, but yesterday I kind of messed up with it. So, um, yeah. And we, That's we spent, also a journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll have to talk about that sometime on the equine products. Cause it's, it's a pretty cool product. Um, you know, and it's budget friendly too. So, <laughs> nice. so what about what has been like a aha moment for you? Um, so, you know, like I said, I'm, seven and a half years with this horse, six years <laughs> in dressage training. Um, and this is something that I've really just figured out in the last year. And I'm kind of blown away by it. Um, I have been a consistent rider for six years um, while I've been in dressage training. And by that, I mean, I'm riding three days a week for sure. Um, yeah. If not four days a week, if not five days a week. So Last fall, actually exactly a year ago, I was riding with a clinician that I really like, um, Martin Kuhn. Yeah. Uh, I had organized the clinic for two years. And um, so it was my second year riding with him and we were moving into first level dressage work. And so we were increasing self-carriage, moving towards collection. And um, we had made great strides that weekend with Martin. And he said to me, you know, you don't do this work five days a week. 
Like you can't expect a horse to work like this five days a week. You have to mix in some easier days. And at first I was like, oh my God, he thinks I ride five days a week. <laughs> and so in, in the moment I was just like, oh yeah, of course. Okay. <sighs> and then, you know, so I mulled over that for, I guess, two months or something. I was like, oh, he thinks I ride five days a week and I don't. <laughs> and like, oh, I'm a loser. And so then this year I kind of challenged myself to ride five days a week more consistently. And I still range between three and five. But um, the big thing is when I was riding three days a week, every day was push the dressage work, work hard, you know, practice for my lesson. Um, and right around then last year, I, um, differentiated our training a little bit and we started hacking out around the farm more, which, you know, of course in Ohio, you can't do, uh, all year round, but even if I'm riding in the ring three, four, five days a week this year, I always add in easy days here and there, if not a whole easy week, like I'm doing this week, just, you know, not working on the self-carriage and collection. Um, You know, if I trot, it's only stretchy trot and a loose rein. And sometimes we just walk around on the buckle, but I'm still in the saddle. And um, I am shocked to find that when I do ask him to work hard, you know, two days a week or whatever, three days a week, I ask him to work hard. I have more horse he is more willing to dig in and work hard than if I had ridden him hard for three days only like I used to. Yeah. So we've actually had just a ton of progress this year. I would not have expected us to progress um, like we have. Um, And I actually big time credit all those easy days that I've built in. Mm, I like that. I think I struggled with, um, like learning that and it was funny as we were talking about it in my lesson this past week um which I said I didn't want to talk about not for any specific reason just that I mean it was just a lesson um but that more is not better like that concept so like you know if I'm doing something in a lesson and um Amy says you know like yes that's good so let's say I'm using my inside rein and she says, you know, yes, that's good. That like, that doesn't mean more inside rein. It just means exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, or if she like, you know, says that um, my hips, you know, like are, are good and loose in the canner that then to, in my head, I immediately start like over emphasizing, you know, like whatever oh, she yeah. just said. And so it's like, I have to breaking that habit of like, oh, well, if, you know, and, and, I, and it's not a mental thing that, that I do. I don't literally think more is better. It's just, that's what I, you know, I think maybe that's how I'm built. Like I'm, I'm yeah, built. It's your more. response to the feedback. Yeah. Like, oh, well yeah. then I must do more. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, just keep it exactly where it is. Um, because she will tell me more, you know, she will say, that's good. Give me more, you know, give me more freedom in your hips or whatever, if that's what she wants. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and I'm sure Danny appreciates that too, that I'm starting to learn, you know, that um, 
you know, inside leg to outside rain does not mean counterflexion, you know, <laughs> to the outside. Like it's yeah, just, you know, I, it doesn't mean harder. It means just stay where you are. And, you know, and sometimes that's, that's in life too. You know, it's okay to just stay where you are and just kind of, you know, let things be where they are. So, I mean, similar to, you know, what you're saying to like, sometimes you just need to like, enjoy being on your horse. It's not, you know, yeah. Don't need to be drilling every day, every time. Yes. Agreed. hundred percent. Yeah. So my kind of aha moment in my equine journey is, um, to kind of temper the professional advice I'm getting with what I know. I'm a big believer in professionals. I, my horse has a team of professionals um, (laughs) that I have advised me and they've, you know, many, many, many of the professionals I've worked with have always given me only the best advice. And I don't think anyone's ever tried to steer me wrong on purpose, but uh, the very first trainer I hired you know, I had worked with Pippin for a year and a half. He had a lot of damage and he just needed, um, he needed to learn to trust people. And I was comfortable doing that work myself. So when I hired my first trainer, um, I could lunge him, I could lead him, I could groom him, I could uh, saddle him, I could mount, he would stand for that. Um, We could walk and trot. It was a mess, but he, he could do all of that. And I was ready to get, you know, into canter work, get him working more correctly, increase his comfort with all of that. Cause he's, um, I joke that like his name is actually panic because that's his reaction (laughs) to everything. It's just like, Oh my God, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, so I, I hired a cult starter, kind of a natural horsemanship leaning, trainer um that I had seen working other horses around the barn there were several people um at the at the farm that worked with him and we had maybe six sessions with the guy and among these was you know the guy was riding him and I think he tried to canter him on like the second or third time riding him uh Pippin bucked him off (laughs) the guy broke ribs. Um, so the guy wasn't, yeah, so he wasn't going to ride him anymore. Uh, after that I fell off, I wasn't eager to ride him anymore either. Um, and the guy ended up just saying to me, like, listen, this horse is never going to work out. He (laughs) said, I, he said, he's actually crazy. Uh, you cannot cure him of that. And so he said, just sell this horse and buy a horse that you can enjoy. Um, and of course, you know, that guy had a handful of horses for sale, right? So I'm right. sure he, I'm sure he knew just the horse that I could enjoy. And right. you know, so I was I was a little bit mad, but also a little bit in tears and like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm I'm I trust professionals. That is also the way I'm built. I am not a skeptical person. I invest in authority figures, government, teachers, all of it. Um, So I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And um, people at my boarding facility that I was at had invested in our journey. um, And so they were like, 
don't listen to that guy. And they hired my next trainer for me. And it was this dressage trainer who was like, sure, I'll ride your horse. Um, like other people, people told her about us and they gave me her number and said, contact her and just make an appointment and go from there. Like, trust us, this is what you need to do. And um, so, you know, that was over six years ago, but I'm just really glad that I did not believe that man. Me too. Cause he's a, he's a good horse and you guys are a good, you're a good pair. Thanks. <laughs> so let's go a lot lighter. Uh, what is your favorite horse show tap room snack? Oh, it's easy. Hummus and crackers. And actually like, I don't know that I had a favorite horse show snack until like two years ago at a recognized show. Um, my tax stall uh, person that I was sharing a tax stall with brought beet, red beet hummus and sweet potato crackers. They were like gluten-free wow. crackers or whatever. Yeah. And it was just such a pretty combination, you know, cause it was like this red hummus and orange crackers. And, and I was like, okay, like I know the hummus is just going to taste like hummus. And it did like, you couldn't even tell, yeah. like maybe it was a little bit different but not much, like it wasn't as garlicky maybe as regular hummus. And then the crackers had a little bit of sweetness to them. Um, it was really nice. And I had, I mean, I, I love hummus. I just usually don't, um, don't get it like as a snack. And yeah. now like hummus is a regular, it's a regular snack in our house, um, including chocolate hummus, uh, which oh. is, it sounds weird, but it's really good. I've seen it on the shelf and I'm always like, no, I don't think so. You know what it tastes like? It tastes like wow. uh, brownie batter. And that's what I think they try to advertise it as. And I yeah. am not, I'm not believing them. So it's, maybe it really I'll does. think about it. It I'll really does. It. Really. And it tastes great with um, fruit. Yeah. I, yeah, I would see that. That makes sense. Yeah. So, and I have to say, <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm a different like you and I don't horse show the same, right? Like um, yeah. I show less than you do. Um, I've, I've shown twice a year for three seasons now. Small schooling shows by myself, uh, just yeah. getting a couple scores for the year. And so um, I don't often end up with that like community and tax stall like sharing that you're talking about. I yeah. don't often have a tax stall even. Um, and so I, and I actually am not a good eater when I'm feeling any type of way besides like happy, yeah. um, and, you know, horseshoe environment does tend to be like a little more stressful, a little more anxious, especially when yeah. you only show a couple times a year. So everything yeah. has to be good. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I eat an apple. I share it with my horse and that's about it for me. That's a good so one. Anna. How do you tell non-horse people what you do with horses? Like, how do you explain it? <laughs> um, well, I have two answers to that question. So like the first one, going back to equine body work, um, whenever I say that I, I'm like an equine massage therapist, like non-horsey people, like it's the same, honestly, for human massage when somebody finds out I'm a human massage therapist, if they don't know me, they're like, oh, so you do like spa work or, you know, and it's like, no, I, I, my focus when I had my human practice and when I go back to it is, you know, reducing pain basically and, and increasing wellness. And, 
you know, I had a couple of human clients that were into more of just like a relaxation Swedish kind of spa experience. But overall, um, the majority of my clients were um, myofascial release pain reduction. So um, it's a very focused work on, you know, getting them back to living pain-free and then keeping them there. And so kind of the same thing with horses, they, they tend, you know, general public tends to think that like, oh, well, if you're working on horses, it must be some sort of treat or something. And, you know, like, you know, like people will joke and say like, oh, how do you get the horse on the massage table, you know, or something goofy like that. Right. And I'm like, you know, no, these are, these are athletes that I'm working on and I'm helping to keep them, whether it's, you know, helping with some sort of acute issue that's going on, um, you know, or, or getting them looser so that they can perform better or just keeping them healthy because they're performance athletes. Um, you know, so I, you know, try not to be condescending, but I try to explain it that way that they're, they're athletes. And then in the same vein, when I try to explain what dressage is, I kind of use the, I like try to say that it's like figure skating, um, you know, and like, oh, do you ever watch figure skating? And you see how they'll have the, you know, the short program or, you know, they used to have, I forget what that it's called, but where they would only do certain patterns. They did the actual figures and they would get judged on, you know, specifically doing those patterns before they even do like the fun musical stuff. And I kind of say that it's, it's like that we do patterns and we're getting judged on, you know, very minute details that, you know, to the naked eye, um, to the untrained eye, you might not see, but the judges definitely see them. Um, and it's the same pattern and, you know, everybody does the same pattern for a certain level. Um, I, I just kind of, you know, leave it there that it's, I also will tell people that it's really pretty boring. I think for the, the general public, um, until you get to the higher levels and like, I starting to feel like, you know, now that we're, we're doing second level. So we're starting to do some of the fun, you know, like shoulder in and, yeah. um, you know, some of the fun stuff that, you know, I can finally start to feel like, okay, maybe next summer, you know, hopefully if we're back to normal shows, um, that people would come watch me ride and actually have fun watching me ride and not just be yeah. like, that was interesting, <laughs> which is what you I You and your like. horse went around in there. You sure exactly. did. Yep. <laughs> and you did the exact same thing that the horse before you did. Why are they better? It's like, oh, uh, yeah. I don't want to try. <laughs> So how do you explain it? I say, well, have you ever watched like the horses on the Olympics? And they go, oh, yeah, maybe. And I'll be like, well, you know how some of them like jump over stuff? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so there's other ones that don't jump over anything on the Olympic. Have have you seen those? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe. And I go... (laughs) I well, try to I do that. <laughs> I do I I, I, that. <laughs> I say I do the Olympic one where they don't don't jump over anything, uh, but I do like the kindergarten level of that. I think that kind of wraps up our first episode, and <laughs> we'll be back in about two weeks with our first guest. Yeah, so we're gonna have um, a friend of mine named Sam Samantha Ferry. She does equine photography. She owns her own business. I love that when she started her business, she doesn't do just equine. She also does people photography, but she really wanted to be affordable because, you know, 
I mean, whether you're, whether you're a horse owner or not, like if you look up photography, it is not cheap. And she really, you know, that's, she, that's the kind of business she wanted to offer was to make it so that like, not just, you know, people with any kind of budget could get senior portraits or family portraits or horse portraits. So um, anyway, so we're going to just have her on and, and chat with her. So thanks right. everyone for listening and we'll be back with Sam in a couple weeks. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.